We are in Titus chapter 2, and we are starting to get into that section that is going to cause consternation and difficulty amongst those who have not submitted their hearts and minds really to God's word there. And that's, that is going to be a pervasive issue as, as we move on. Uh, it's been two weeks. Three weeks, three weeks, well, three weeks, three weeks back. So you can, you can modify the verses up at the top. It's actually three through five that we're going through today. And it was three weeks back that we uh, were in Titus. And we have reiterated uh, over uh, and over that uh, Paul's command to Titus was to go there and appoint elders and then in chapter 2 and verse 1, he was to teach not only those elders, but also uh, those in the churches on Crete sound doctrine. You know, to instruct them what accords with sound doctrine. And this is, this is doctrine is fundamental for Christian nourishment. We don't know or understand God unless we take what Scripture has to understand who God the Father is, to understand who God the Son is, to understand who God the Holy Spirit is, and who is man before Him. These are all things of doctrine and really should excite our hearts to learn and study about them because it helps us in our relationship with the living God to know him better. Um, and as such, we have to know and understand the word. Jesus said in John 15, uh, 9 and 10, abide in my love. Abide in my love. That means dwell in it, you know, soak in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. He's saying that, to his disciples, already his followers. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. In uh, a few verses prior to that, he says, if you abide in my, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And the, the verse we have stenciled on our wall, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. Just over and over again, we see the preeminence of the word of God in our lives. We are a church because of the foundation and understanding of what the word says. What has happened in history and what has come down to the ages in the inspired and inerrant word of God. Um, three weeks ago, we looked also at what he instructed older men. Three points of character that they were to be sober-minded, dignified, and self-controlled. And he also mentioned three qualities that required soundness. You know, a stability, a, a healthiness. Uh, if you will, that they were to be sound in faith, they were to be sound 
in love and that they were to be sound in endurance in their final years. Again, this was directed specifically to older men. At the close of our um, last time together, three weeks ago, uh, we started, I started to touch on the fact that in Paul's instruction here, he differentiates. He makes distinctions. He makes distinctions based on age. He makes distinctions based on sex or gender is, is the buzzword today. Um, the culture is going to apply pressure to us to say these things don't matter. God's word says these things do matter. Okay, why does Paul make distinctions and differentiations? Here, why does he why does he separate older men from older women? Why does he separate younger men from younger women? Why does he separate older men from younger men? Okay, there are unique roles. Okay, let me, let me hold that. That's good. Uh, how do I know there's unique roles? Our culture would say, no, we're equal. Men and women are equal. Whatever a woman can do, a man can do. God defined it that way? Yes, he did. He did. God has stated in his word a differentiation in roles. Where? Okay, in his word, but in, in, in the sphere, in, the, in our living sphere. Where are men and roles, when, where are, the, are men and women's roles differentiated? In, in, the, in the church. Okay, and we'll touch on that some here. What if I don't like that? Really, really, that's, that is the truth. I am either going to accept what God has given to us with a clear understanding. We were talking with my daughters about how to read God's word. Well, I try to read it plainly. What kind of genre is it? Is it poetry? Is it a letter? Is it history? I have to read those things kind of with a little bit different mindset as I read through them. And so I have to understand the culture at that time. Understand that the culture in the first century church is very different than the culture today. Is this a cultural thing or is this a cross-cultural thing? Well, you know, when you ask where is the teaching, I'd argue in Genesis 1 and 2 before the fall. Okay. That's a common Christian argument. I'm not saying right Christian, but well, we only have these distinctions because of sin, and in Christ these distinctions are taken away as the world was redeemed. Ah. So I would not just to counter that argument, because I think it's true, these are rooted in that God made us distinct. Yes. Not sin caused us to be distinct. Paul appeals to that very fact in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when he talks about the distinctions between men and women there within the church. Within the family. Emma, what was it that you had said? Um, he separates them because they're different. Okay, they are. So it's not just the roles, but it goes back to the creation that we're different. You know, not only are we physically different in, in 
our anatomy, but we are different in our emotions, generally speaking. And that also has to do with the levels of hormones and, and the various things. Um, we handle things differently. The standard joke is women handle pain more than men. Yeah, we know. That's, that's true. Um, and men are stronger, a whole lot stronger. Men won't ask for directions, but women will. Absolutely. <laughs> that's, you know, Hezekiah 8, yeah, whatever. Um, so, as we move... Well, I was just saying, it seems to me people want to take the exceptions and make them the rule. But we don't do that in any other area of life. The doctor doesn't say, well, you're coming in with this, but everyone is unique, so I really can't say. Well, yeah, there's unique <laughs> cases that come into doctors all the time, and they go, wow, I normally would say this is this, but shit, your body's a little different. I don't know what's going on. But, as a rule, men and women are different. Yes. You can't take a few exceptions and go, well... You, there's this one woman that could beat up every guy in here, so we should account for that. Well, yeah, there, there actually might be more than one beating us. But nonetheless, <laughs> don't take me as the weakling as the, well, all guys are weak and women yeah. are strong. You take, well, generally speaking, is what we're talking about. Yeah. Very important. Very important. This is going to be weird. Karen, would you go up to the pulpit? Sorry. My coffee's under there, and I'm going to go nuts. If I'm <laughs> <laughs> what is this like? Is he asking her to do this? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, yeah. 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 Okay, you and I, let's <laughs> arm wrestle, right? I really you, know you're doing this because you're a man and she's a woman. That's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's exactly what I expected. Okay, so as we go forward from here and start to look at women, it's important that we determine each one, what are we going to do? Are, am I going to be convinced and swayed and conformed to the culture? Or am I going or am I going to anchor myself and be transformed by God's word? Okay. So so really what are we gonna do? And it's important that we understand that God made us male and female for good. It is good that we are different. And it is good that we have different roles and purposes in God's economy. These are not meant to bludgeon you. They're not meant to put you down. They're not meant to put extra responsibility on your shoulder. They're for good and ultimately glorify the living God. Really important. Um, Paul is exhorting Titus to teach older women. Okay, that's going to chap a lot of lips in our culture today. What can a man teach a woman? You know, what, what is he... And again, this is where they will highlight the gender distinction because it's convenient for them. But they will say, what... Now, who, who are you to tell me about being a woman? <coughs> Is that... Can, can you see the culture making that argument? Okay. So how, how do we go? Absolutely a man can teach a woman. Well, I mean... You about have, being a woman. I'm sorry. We have examples from God's word of what a godly woman should be like. And so 
Um, it does. You don't have to have female anatomy to read God's word and see what it says and be able to understand it and apply it, or teach someone else to apply it. Absolutely. I'm. I'm not going. I can't empathize with you. Sorry, I can't. But I can declare what God's word says. And I have. Exa- I've. I've seen a few women in my life. And and examples of godly women and examples of ungodly women. And so I can apply those in my instruction and in my preaching and in my teaching. And it is so, yes. And we need to stand against the culture that is saying, you can't. Because this is being pressured upon us. Men, you got no say. Shut up. It's a woman's body. You can't, you have no say in the matter. Okay, so the men and the women are, are, are going, you know, assert your own voice. But Paul says, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, comma, we're going to stop here. How is the life for an older woman peculiar? What are the peculiar challenges that she faces? Well, generally speaking, normally they don't have children at home. Okay. So they would have extra use of time. Okay. What, what is the negative of that? Something that she spent so much time on, she can't devote time to anymore or enjoy. Okay, in her mind. She's not needed. She's what? Not needed. She's not needed. My whole purpose has left the house. I've got no purpose anymore. I've got nothing. What's another peculiar challenge of older women? Physical changes, I think, both like um, vanity-wise and also hormonally, that all of those things affect you. Excellent. Women take a much bigger. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Put a lot more into appearance than most men need to, and so I can say from the lines I'm getting around my eyes that it bothers you. <laughs> Well, think about this. Think, think about Hollywood. I mean, think of some of the beautiful actresses, the actresses that were absolutely stunning and ravishing in their youth, have be, gotten to the point where they almost look like freaks because of all of the pro- plastic surgery that they have had. And it just breaks your heart. And, and when you see um, uh, Maggie Smith, Maggie Smith, Dollars to donuts, she hasn't had any uh, plastic surgery. And she's beautiful because she looks like an older woman. Harry Potter, what, what role did she play? McGon- McGonagall. McGonagall. McGonagall in Harry Potter. There. Downton Abbey, <laughs> Dowager Countess. You know, if you're... Angela Lansbury. Angela Lansbury. Yeah, I think, I don't... You can tell, you go, you don't look quite right anymore. And, you know, to age well is, is 
really a beautiful thing, but who says it's not? Society. Society, exactly. Oh, wrinkles. Oh, here's wrinkle cream to get rid of the wrinkles. Oh, you know, you know, let's let's get rid of the gray, you know? You know, and you go, why but why is that? Why is that? Because the world has said you don't look right anymore. You're old. I, I understand. I understand that, but it's not just the world. It's my personal feeling. I don't think it's it's not the world necessarily that's impacting my decisions. But it does. I, I would I would say it. I would say it is because uh, 150 years ago it wouldn't have been an issue. Well, no, because they didn't. Well, they did. You know, but that wasn't really a thing. You weren't barraged over and over again. And so we, we are influenced there. Okay? Um, I think that could be culture, not world. Because we use world like sinful world. Yeah. You know, like cultural world. Yes. Like, I mean, I'm not trying to be crass, but 150 years ago, no women were shaving their legs. But now, it's like, uh, if women don't. But I mean, there's nothing... Like, so most women say, oh, I need to do that. Well, why? Yes. <laughs> okay, so my... That's so I'm just saying culture. The we point, don't... though, is that as we age, this is a struggle for a woman to go, I've lost... I don't look like I did when I was 20 anymore. <laughs> you know? <laughs> because of age, we will carry our weight differently. Because of age, because of having babies, things are in different places. You know? It just, that is, that is the way it is. And so that is a struggle for women in their age. Is it not? Am I, am I, am I wrong in this? So that, that's just, that's a, that is a struggle. Loneliness, struggle, physical challenges, you know, hor hormones, menopause. Um, and, you know, Tracy... She's going to have surgery in June. Why? Because of having babies. Okay? And her body is going, I'm out of here. You know, I'm done. And so there needs to be something ultimately to take care of this. And Paul, this is a beautiful thing that Paul recognizes because God recognizes the peculiar value and beauty and wonder of older women in the church, he therefore addresses them. Okay, let me address you, older women. And he says, likewise, here, likewise, older women, likewise, he's essentially going on the same doctrinal understanding of who you are in the church and really who you are in God's eyes and what he, what he wants to see you consider important. So here in verse 3, the first thing they are to be is reverent in behavior. Reverent. Again, the, that word essentially means holy. Holy. Uh, think, think of bringing a sacrifice. It is a proper sacrifice. It is not blemished. It is not broken. It is not marred. It is, it is holy, reverent behavior. And that is how you rule yourself. Your demeanor. Sober-minded. Dignified. Yeah, I, I go dignified. Likewise. These are not necessarily one for one, again, because... No. 
older men are different. So they're to be reverent. Um, and, and in a sense, the sense of the word is almost in priestly ministry. In priestly ministry. There, there, there has to be a sober-mindedness and a, 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 a dignified character in the woman as she ministers what God has given her to minister. As is often the case as we look at uh, character, uh, you're going to come up with a, a, a few knots. Don't be like this. Don't be that guy or gal, as the case may be. So they're supposed to be reverent in behavior, but they're also not to be slanderers. Slander. What, you know, what is, what is slander? Saying something about somebody with the intention of bringing them down or insulting them. Okay, harm, malice. Yeah. Or, like, or deceit. You know, you, you, you're slandering somebody, saying something about somebody that is necessarily false. Gossip can come into this huge, uh, very interesting word for uh, slanderer. Do, do not be a slanderer. The word is diabolos. From which we get... Yeah. Don't be... The devil was an accuser. He was an accuser. And so don't be like the devil slander or accuser, vile nature in your tongue. In 1 Timothy uh, 5, verse 13, he also warns women that they are, where is it? That they learn to be, besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house, not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. Idlers, uh, gossips, talking about women who are not essentially doing what God has called them to do. Um, why? Why is this a temptation for older women that they that they would have to be exhorted not to slander? Pardon? Uh, unfulfilled, but that's not the right word I'm looking for. Discouraged, uh, not, not having what they thought they would have had. You feel in the world that you have become a nothing. And so in your own words, you are going to become a something. How are you going to become a something? By putting other women down. Or other people down. I'm going to elevate myself. I'm going to climb up the ladder of myself. I've also known people who they it's a point of pride for them that they know things about other people, you know, whether or not they should or whether or not it should be cast out to others, you know. They take it as like a like I'm in the know and they think it makes them important. Power, you know. Ugh. Well, I mean, and then the jail problem of someone's like I can't regain it even if I slam people. So I'm going to just bring other people down to where I am. I'm going to prove my merit. Because I have this information. I think you also have to be careful because as an older woman, a 
especially an older woman in the church, you get younger women who come to you to, you know, divulge sin issues and get hoping for wise counsel. And then you have these things that you now have to bear, you know, I mean, accordingly, obviously, sometimes it has to be brought before the church or whatever, but to say, you came to me for wise counsel, and this isn't for me to discuss at my coffee group, you know, this has to stay within me. Yeah. Excellent. You also maybe go back to the, like you said, the children being gone or the having the time. That's how the gossip kind of gets started. There, you got this time on your hands, so you're finding ways to fill it. You go and you talk, to, visit somebody, you talk to them, hear this, go to the next person, tell them what you just heard. Last person, and then yeah. that's how the gossip kind of gets started. Yeah. What, what are we talking about? You know, what 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 are we going to converse about when we get together? See, all of these things to me are not just inclusive of older women. I mean, I, the part of maybe not feeling like you don't have purpose, I can understand that part, but the gossip and the thinking more highly of yourself or wanting to make more of yourself, I think that's every woman's battle. Yes, because the passage in Timothy against being gossips is directed at the younger women. The younger widows, specifically. I think it can just vary to say, like, when you're, it's, I don't run out of, you know, you're talking about, like, what do we talk about now? You know, your house is empty and whatever. Yeah. That you get together and you just discuss other people or what's going on now in your adult kid's life. It's different if Danae and I are talking about our three-year-olds compared to our 23-year-olds. Yeah. Then it can be a very different, but you're right, like, it's not exclusive to, it's not exclusive to older women. Yeah. So it's a caution. It is, it is a caution for women to understand that you have a bent to go this way. Because you don't see, you know, slandering is, is a blanket. No, you, none of us should be slanderers. It's, you know, the tongue, Proverbs is chock full of stuff about the tongue to everybody. But it's interesting that here, especially in the New Testament and even in Proverbs, it is directed specifically at women. So you would think that God has an awareness that because of the sin nature, there's going to be an inclination to do this. A part of me feels like, too, it's not just our sin nature, but it's that nurture nature that God gave us because we naturally want to help others. And sometimes I think it comes out the wrong way that we're inclined to. Like you think that you're being helpful when really you just shouldn't have shared that information with someone. That's a beautiful and it's gossip and you don't intend for it to be but it is so there is in that in that excellent that god-given nurturing desire of a woman or to heal and to protect and to care for it's broken it's broken because of the fall and perhaps it gets corrupted in that manner much like um you know the the God-given desire to feel good. You know, I'd much rather feel good than be sick. You know, and so I'm going to do what I can to feel good, take medicine, whatever, rest appropriately. These are all appropriate. But if I'm perfectly healthy and I want to feel good, you know, do I need uh, that epinephrine rush of working out? It's not to say working out is bad. You know, or running. I, you know, I like how that feels, but... Is that, is that the thing that's going to get me over a hump? Or do I need uh, half a fifth of whiskey? 
to do that to feel better, or heroin, or crystal meth, or whatever. Nice transition, because he also exhorts them not to be drunk, not to be given over too much wine, essentially. Do not be drunkards. Do not be given over too much wine. Do not be a slave to much wine. The qualification is important. He doesn't say, do not drink wine. He doesn't say, you know, be, be a teetotaler, abstain from wine. He doesn't say that. He says, do not be given over too much wine. So, very important. Again, it's an idea of sobriety. Do I have a clarity of thought? Or am I so hammered that I can't even articulate a sentence uh, properly? So do not. A couple of knots in there for the older women. Uh, they are to teach. They are to teach what is good within the confines of God's design, essentially, in the church. Okay? Um, now, older women are to teach. I thought teaching was a gift of the Holy Spirit. What if you say, oh, I'm not gifted to teach? You may not be able to stand in front of a room and be an eloquent speaker, but you can still give wisdom to other people and advice through your experience in God's Word. Absolutely. So can you teach one-on-one -on -one God's Word? Yeah, please do. Please do. You should. Uh, for and, and hopefully you have a life of knowledge in God's word or ever since you came to know Christ that you have thirsted and hungered after God's word and now as you age you are to teach now and we'll see who specifically in the next verse but you are to teach what is good okay uh, that which accords with wholeness and beauty teach what is good Think on these things, as Paul says in, in Philippians chapter 4. Whatever is good, that which is good is pleasing to God. That which is good accords with his mind, his character, his likeness, his will. And so older women are to teach what is good, okay, and... That, if I, if I pluck that out of context, that would imply that women can teach here in the church. Okay? Can they teach in the church? Yes. Who can they teach in the church? Children and women. Absolutely. <laughs> we go into 1 Timothy to dig that out. We may go into that a little more next week but Paul does it with Timothy or Titus right here when he says that um, they are to teach what is good and so train the younger women older women this is your responsibility okay what is the age line by the way for older women here it says older oh it does So what's the age line? I want to say there's going to be some age 
Okay. When is somebody mature? When there's somebody else less mature. Okay. <laughs> yes. So two, for all of you in here, okay, there are younger women, both in age and in spiritual maturity. There are younger women. I would contend that you all have a responsibility to teach them. Teach them what? Teach them what you know. Be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you. Essentially, what do you know of the living God and how your relationship with him affects your life. Because there are going to be younger people in the faith who don't know these things. They've never heard them before because the culture used to be, at least the culture was going along essentially the way scripture was, and now it's just blown to smithereens. And so, this whole idea of wives submit to your husbands over my dead body No, no way. We are equal. We got separate bank accounts and I actually have a grandmother who she's almost seventy and she gets infuriatingly angry when we talk about submission and that ties the head of our household because she says she didn't go through the women's rights movement for me to just lie down. <laughs> Interesting family dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> but that's I mean for, for those who went through the 60s, I mean, that's, that's why you see such a, the, the whole sexual revolution reap way more than anybody ever expected in the late 60s. And this whole detonation of equality, equal rights, what's a gender, who can be married, let's live together, it's just an act, all of that. That's just, it's, it's, it's full. Another thing back to the teaching is not just, you know, whether it's preparing a lesson or just giving advice, but also just by obeying the word and doing what they, what Paul explains in verse 3, by living a holy life and, you know, living for God, being, you know, loving their husband, just the younger women seeing them, the way they live is even a form of teaching. They're setting that example that's just one aspect. Obviously, you can still give the advice or you know, teach, but just an example is a, something for them as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So they're to teach the younger women. And so here we're going to see what the older women are to teach the younger women. Here is what Paul is exhorting Titus to teach the older women to teach the younger women. Okay. So Paul's exhortation for Titus here to teach the older women is that they might have a great role in teaching the younger women because younger women are also going to be taught by men within the church, even here and now. This is going on. So yes, you are going to be taught by men, but you must, you must, younger women, be taught by older women. Um, it is not 
you're being taught by your pastor and other teachers within the church is not to the exclusion of being taught by older women. Um, the older women have hopefully a been there, done that while walking with Christ kind of attitude. You know, I have my life experiences there to share or I've known people who've been there and done that and had these particular issues that you may be dealing with. And so an older woman or an older woman is an outstanding way for a younger woman to understand her place and her role uh, in the body of Christ and in life in general. To understand her responsibilities in Christ and particularly here in the marriage relationship. The, the older woman is to train the younger woman right there at the start of verse 4. Uh, a sophist, you may have heard the term sophist. A sophist is one who teaches moral right and wrongs and philosophies uh, and the like, an, an ancient term. And that's the root here for that word, to train the younger woman. You know, you can think uh, uh, Socrates with Plato there as, as an example. Uh, what is she to teach the younger women? To love their husbands and children. To be self-controlled. Okay. So essentially in here, this idea of self-control is from the same. In, uh, I've got self-control highlighted in my, my Bible here in Titus. It's in chapter 1, verse 8. Chapter 2, verse 2. Chapter 2, verse 5. Chapter 2, verse 6. Chapter 2, verse 11. Older women are supposed to teach younger women to be self-controlled. I've skipped some stuff, but I want that emphasis to be there. And it, it, it goes to not only the younger women, but also the older men and the younger men. And the older women in being reverent and, and dignified in their behavior, it goes to them too. So we are all essentially exhorted and encouraged to be self-controlled. Now, this... There's a problem here with older women teaching the younger women in the church today. Why do older women sometimes not teach the younger women? Because they feel out of touch with that generation? Maybe. I don't understand this culture. What are they thinking? What are they doing? I'm... Maybe they fear messing up and then like, oh, Yeah, who am I? Who am I? You know, I'm not a good not a good talker. I'm I'm not eloquent. I don't I don't know my Bible like I should. Maybe. You know, there's all this, whoa, I'm inadequate. Moses. Moses had the same gripe and God said, I'm God, you're not. You are supposed to do this. You go and do what I have told you to do. Older women, you are to teach younger women. So this feeling of inadequacy, too bad. I think a lot of women, not well, a lot of women nowadays work outside the home and work outside the home longer in life than previous generations. And so they don't make the time or have the time to invest in other people. What a huge topic. 
You know, should women work outside the home? We'll talk about that some next week. But you're right. Is, is that not a cause for concern if an older woman is so busy that she cannot be involved in the life of younger women? Yeah. I mean, it should be a concern because that's what you're commanded to do. You are commanded of God to be involved in the lives of younger women. To teach them, well, I'm too busy. I don't want to. I just don't want to. It's hard. I'm retired. Um, you know, the, the standard is you can't teach what you don't have. Um, I, you know, none of you is going to go and uh, teach Arabic. Can anybody in here teach Arabic? One. One, one and, only, one and only one. You can't teach what you don't have. If you can't speak the language, why are you teaching it? Some of us can't even teach English. Um, so if I am commanded to impart Christ, it's probably important that I know him and I love him and I adore him and I know what he says so that I can do that. Um. So that's some of the reasons why older women are unwilling to teach. Why are some young women unwilling to be taught? Pride. Pride. There's number one on my hit list there. Pride. Maybe they don't think the older woman's qualified for teaching anything. Your, your, days, your days are gone, man. You're so old. You got nothing to tell me. This is a different world than when you grew up. This whole idea of, uh, I shared this with my daughters, historical hubris. You know, this arrogance of the newer. Oh, we're way smarter than our founding fathers were. They just didn't understand. I think things. that's why it's really important. Uh, relationships are really important because if I have a relationship with a woman who's a lot younger than I am, One thing I would say is that the older woman needs to know the younger woman well enough that she would accept any kind of advice or training from her. I would contend that it is an extremely rare young woman who actually seeks out an older woman to please, I want to learn of you. And so I think there's a great responsibility for us as older, for you, <laughs> for you as older women, to come alongside the younger women. Now, how many? You can't do 15, you can't. But one, two? I mean, I mean, imagine if you just had two younger women that you were actively involved with. If only one, and praise God, if only one that you have to infuse and to talk, talk about life without being slanderous. Talk about life, talk about uh, well, the things Paul's going to discuss here. Talk about God and his word. Talk about what your relationship is. Excuse me. So pride. What's another, re well, think, of, think about the internet. What can a younger woman find out from the internet? Almost everything. Everything. Well, and, 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 then, and then some. Everything in there. 
<laughs> only on only on Wikipedia. Okay. Yeah, I don't need to go to an older woman. I can find it out myself. But again, the damage is is that there is no relationship there. There is much to be gained from life experience, life touching life. God created us to be social beings, not for you to find everything out on yourself. So it's okay to go, how do you do this thing? Because I don't know. Well, I gotta look it up. No, I came to you. Looks like the other problem is like if they I mean, if they go to your normal woman and someone else sees it, they're I mean they're gonna be like they're, everyone's gonna not like me. They're like because I mean Let's, okay, look, someone's in the church, and they have a bunch of friends that are out of the church, and they figure out she's getting, having conversations about it, about, and they're, they're going to be like, oh, social, pre social pressure. They're gonna, yes. They're going to think I'm a sissy. Well, they're, yeah, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, and here's a, here's a, for a godly young woman, and if she looks around and goes, I don't have any older women around me who are godly examples. Oh, what a tragedy. Because that's, that's true. In a, in a small church like ours, uh, we do have some godly older women. You know, some people who are hungering and thirsting after the Lord, and that's great. Of, of all ages, of all variances of older women. Okay, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, but what a shame for, for the woman who has nobody. The younger woman is going to be culturally pressured. Again, don't, don't go to those old bogeys. They don't, you know, they don't understand the, the things you're going through in life. They're so much different when, than when they were young. To a point, that, that's true. But that, again, like a man speaking into a woman's life, so an older woman, woman can speak into a younger woman's life, even based on the culture. Because she sees the culture in a different way and perhaps in a, in a clearer way of where it's leading. Younger women, like older women, have no time. There is no time. You've got no time. Why? Because you're too busy. If, if you don't have the time to sit with, have coffee with, meet with on a semi-regular basis, somebody else to just to discuss life and life touch life, Man, we're too busy. And the sad one is, I have no desire. I don't want to. Ooh, warning. We're going to continue here uh, next week uh, talking about younger women. Younger women. Um, we're going to talk about being a wife and being a mother. And is that required for a woman? And where, what, what, what's missing in Paul's discussion here? Single women. And what do I do if I'm a single woman? How can we in the church encourage and exhort single women? Okay, this is huge. And what role do single women play? Can a single woman talk to a younger woman about marriage? Absolutely. But we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that in a... a a uh, little bit greater depth next week. And we'll talk about working outside the home because that's not in play here in these verses. Okay, and so we're going to have to extrapolate from God's word. What does God say about women working outside the home?